Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Ben Dobbin with you this morning across rural Queensland today, the 7th of February. A very good morning to everybody listening to us through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers in the Hot Country Network. A very good morning to you. So much to get through this morning on this busy, busy show. We're going to talk very shortly with Mark Harvey Sutton. The live export industry is on its knees. And this issue regarding the 14,000 sheep that are off the Fremantle coast at the present moment, uh, what a setup from the government. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about uh, Bob Catter joining us this morning about the Foley Shield. He's not happy, as well as the industry uh, around the youth crime and what is going on. We'll catch up also with Cyril Close and much, much more. The cricket is wound up, thank God. Um, anyway, lots to get through this morning. Let's get into it. Mark Harvey Sutton joins us next. And this live export industry is really, really got some dramas, and it's all because of minority groups and government. He joins us next on Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's the 7th of February. Uh, it's my pleasure to bring in Mark Harvey Sutton, uh, the Australian Livestock Exporters Council CEO. He joins me this morning as there is a lot going on in this live export game as we speak. Mark, good morning. Thank you for giving me some time. Oh, morning, Ben. Always great to be with you. Okay, let's talk firstly just about exactly what's going on um, from your neck of the woods. Uh, well documented that there is a boat presently at the moment that is struggling to find a home for in excess of 14,000 sheep currently. And I will say this would be a huge concern for you. Oh, yes, it's certainly been keeping me busy, Ben. So what we had here was uh, the vessel left on the 5th of January uh, it was a consignment of about 15,000 sheep, about 2,000 cattle, yep. uh, and it was an Israeli shipment bound for Israel. Uh, and its original plan was to go through the Red Sea, uh, but of course it's well documented there are Houthi rebel attacks uh, on shipping taking place through that waterway. Uh, and on the 16th of January, uh, that shipping company made a decision based on security concerns uh, to turn, not go through that way and actually divert uh, away from the Red Sea. Initially, it was heading towards uh, South Africa uh, and had a plan to actually go the long way round. Uh, but, of course, that would have required the exporter to uh, get various reapprovals and a confirmation uh, that the animals would be accepted in market and things like that. Um, I don't know that this export is not a member of ours, so I'm not privy to how all those discussions went, but uh, suffice to say, on the 20th of January, the Department of Ag made a decision or a direction uh, to bring that vessel back. Uh, and then we have been waiting. That took about 10 days to get back, sat offshore of Fremantle for a week, uh, while we've been awaiting a decision from the department about what to do next. That now. Uh, so uh, that consignment has not been approved for re-export, which is what the exporter wanted to do. Uh, so what will be happening over the next few days is that exporter will be making plans to discharge those animals uh, somewhere in uh, Fremantle, around Fremantle, presumably. I will reiterate, but these are this exporter is not a member, right, um, of your organisation. So th this decision that has been made by the Department of Ag it does come under your watch because you, you, you with interest. The initial, well, re the initial reason, is it because of the pirates? I'm being, uh, you know, the safety concerns of trying to get a ship through the Red Sea at the moment? 
Oh, exactly, exactly. And and so, you know, I think this is where we have to put this whole issue in a bit of context, Ben, because um, this has its roots in the fact that an Israeli shipment uh, going through the Red Sea had concerns for its security. I don't blame uh, them. It was, I don't blame them at no, the moment. I absolutely don't blame them. No, that's right. And that's why this is a very uh, extraordinary set of circumstances. Ben, I've been extremely disappointed with uh, certain MPs, uh, activist groups, even the RSPCA, jumping on board this situation uh, as an opportunity to try and close the trade. I think that's an extremely poor taste. I mean, uh, in case they haven't noticed, there is a conflict going on in the in the Middle East. Uh, that's why we have the situation we do. It's an extraordinary set of circumstances, and all they want to do is sink the boot in. I think that's really disappointing. Can I ask you this? And I, 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 I really really need to ask you this in the sense of how much damage does this situation which is completely out of anybody's realm of it would happen with the decision that the federal government's trying to make in introducing the 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 phase out of live sheet exports out of out of western australia i mean this just is another to me and it's a set of circumstances that no one no one could in any way possibly envisage. But I just have this feeling that the Department of Ag, once they saw, you know, uh, an opportunity, have just tied into the line of it. It, 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 it does not make sense. Why would they not be allowed to be re-exported? What, what is their reasoning for that? Yeah, so there's a bit to unpack there, Ben. Uh, so what I'll start with is um, this, this decision to not re-export, I mean, a couple of additional facts that are worth knowing. There is actually a court case uh, in Israel uh, at the moment where an animal rights group is uh, seeking an injunction on Israel's on the Israeli government to accept the animals. So that would have created some uncertainty about whether the vessel actually would be accepted if it was re-exported, and the department has to approve that on that basis. Uh, we were looking at uh, a record-length voyage if they did go, uh, and I would just reiterate, I'm not privy to all the details, so I don't, and I, the department hasn't published its full decision yet. Um, so I don't know all their reasonings for the decision, but I imagine if they're trying to make sure there's a guarantee they get there, uh, those factors would have come into play. What was frustrating, Ben, is that the department took 17 days to come up with a next step as a decision. And I'm not saying it wasn't a complex thing to assess. They would have had international law and geopolitics and all those things, but it was too long. Uh, we had that boat sitting off Fremantle for a week. Uh, during that time, what happened was basically the industry became a punching bag. Uh, we had people coming out saying completely misrepresenting what the uh, conditions on board the vessel actually were. Yeah. Uh, and I should emphasise, Ben, all reports from that vessel are that the animal welfare conditions were excellent. Yeah. And they are excellent. I've heard still. that myself. So, I've actually heard that myself. And the sheep are in phenomenal condition. And that's right. And and that, that that so this is not been something because um they're worried that they wouldn't the the mail that I got yesterday and I made some phone calls to to some people involved with it that the sheep were in phenomenal condition and there's also some regulations around independent vet vets on these um on these vessels. So I mean you've worked so hard to get these stringent laws in place. So this is the thing that I'm not quite understanding about. I, I feel that the, there just seems to be, to me, 
it very much in line with the government's, you know, wording, the way that they are at the moment around live sheep trade. And it just, it seems to me, and I know you can't say this, very much a convenient situation that now these sheep are going to be back unloaded in Fremantle. Well, we can manage the the uh, biosecurity process as well, Ben. I just want to emphasise that. I'm not going to disagree with you, uh, but I, I will sort of say in a very technical way, the Minister cannot make a decision in this regard here. But I think the point you're making speaks very strongly to why we have such an issue with the phase-out policy in the first place. Because just what we were talking about then, Ben, that's the facts. We know the animal welfare is good. We know that these animals have been treated well. Uh, and we know uh, that the, the, the truth about the industry. But that hasn't stopped people coming out. Uh, MPs such as Josh Wilson, Andrew Wilkie, the RSPCA, publicly stating that on this vessel, these animals will be standing knee-deep in their excrement their eyes will be burning from ammonia. They'll be starving. They'll be seasick. It's complete and utter lies, Ben. And this is the problem. And we know that the basis of the policy that the government is currently pursuing is also based on mistruths and listening to the wrong people. This is our biggest issue. The government is simply not listening to our industry, which is reformed. Uh, it's simply not listening to the thousands of Western Australian farmers that are probably going to go out of sheep. I mean, this could signal the end of the Western Australian sheep industry, Ben. Mate, let me not uh, underestimate that in any shape or form. Yet, we are not being listened to, and I think that's the frustration because there are those that deliberately misrepresent. They are unethical in how they approach their opposition to the trade, Ben. Uh, our community would expect better from these MPs. I think the community would expect better from groups such as the RSPCA. Uh, but it is about time we were listened to, Ben. So we will continue fighting that policy all the way uh, because we know it's wrong and there is no way that we can be bought. Uh, there is no way that we will accept it. Uh, we are not going away, Ben. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, Mark, we're lucky that we've got people like yourself. Mark Harvey Sutton is our guest this morning. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Mark Harvey Sutton, our guest this morning. Not far away, we'll have Bob Catter joining us as well. And Cyril Close is also joining us. But Mark, will Murray Watts sit down and have a serious meeting with you and actually look at the facts or is he hell-bent that there is no change? Well, uh, we've been trying to do that uh, and we've been continuously putting the facts forward. There does seem to be um, a determination uh, and whether that's political, personal, I, I can't comment on Ben, but uh, there does seem to be a bloody-mindedness about how they're approaching this. Um, but, I mean, the other thing that concerns me is that he commissioned that uh, independent panel uh, to examine uh, how a phase-out may happen. That report's been with the Minister for over 100 days now. Uh, so, to me, that doesn't speak very highly of the transparency in which they're approaching this issue. Uh, there is no reason why that independent panel's report cannot be made public while the government considers how best to respond. That would be in the best interest of people. That would be in the best interest of good governance. While we don't agree with it, I think people have put a lot of time into advising the panel of the damage this would do, and I think they want to see what the report says. So, uh, But the only outcome we'll ever accept, Ben, is a complete reversal of the policy. We've made that extremely clear. 
Uh, and I think if you look at uh, the broader environment around agriculture at the moment, uh, things like water buybacks in the Murray-Darling Basin, the government's decision not to settle the live cattle case, which was a disgrace. I think this is probably the anti-agriculture government I've seen in a generation. Uh, and I think that's extremely disappointing. And I can tell you, producers, exporters, the country over are just at their wits' end because they're not being listened to, Ben. And it's as simple as that. The government's got a responsibility to govern for everyone. Uh, but at the moment, they're ignoring the people that provide food, uh, which I think There's is no actually two ways a pretty... About it. Yep. They, had a, yep. they had a renewables meeting the other day in, in Canberra and they had nobody, nobody of any significance... Um, from the agriculture sector there, but they said, oh, we've got all these, you know, industry stakeholders. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They are absolutely, in every way, getting it wrong. And, and Mark, we are very, very lucky to have a bloke like yourself involved who is at the, the forefront. I, I hope this situation gets sorted out. Can I just ask, David Conley wrote an amazing article in the Queensland Country Life last week about compensation around... Um, the last live export debacle that the Labor government was involved into, that nobody, and I mean nobody, has been given any compensation, although the court has ruled in their favour, there has still been no compensation given. That begs to belief. It's a disgrace, man. There's no other way to put it. Uh, And I think it really speaks... We're talking uh, 2011. 2011 was when this no, issue took place. You're 100% right, Ben. It's a disgrace. And I think what it actually speaks to uh, is the contentious manner uh, this government is treating farmers. Uh, I think that is what it all comes down to. I mean, to my mind and to my knowledge, I cannot understand the benefit in not simply settling that, that issue, Ben. Uh, the, as you said, the court has made a decision. Uh, that there should be compensation. And what we see at the moment is a real issue where uh, Commonwealth is not operating like a model litigant, as I understand the facts of the situation. Uh, And what they're forgetting is uh, there are thousands of people uh, waiting for their justice around this situation, uh, and they're being denied that at the moment. So uh, I wholeheartedly endorse everything David Connolly is saying. Uh, I think he is a very passionate advocate for those Northern Territory cattlemen, and he has every right to be angry about oh, He's furious, and I, and you, you're dead right. This has been going on. Is that something you talk about or you stay out of that space? Or is it well, more around, like, because people have lost their livelihoods over it. There'd be still people who are coming, trying to recover from that from that, that absolute devastation when they shut down the industry with the, the stroke of a pen because of misleading information that they gathered, um, extreme groups gathered, at one or two abattoirs, and then they closed the whole live export industry down from it off an ABC documentary. Yeah, and look, and I think um, one thing that our industry always must remember is there were things that weren't going on correctly there, and we've got the SCAS system out of that now. So that was a rightful reform, but the thing that was wrong, the reaction, the suspension, uh, it out in Indonesia, uh, they were very angry about that. And then, of course, the livelihood of farmers that were impacted. Now, it's it's uh, it's one that I cannot speak for the litigants, where ALEC is not out. Uh, and it's more of a producer-led uh, action, Ben, uh, which is appropriate because they're the ones that uh, in many ways suffered the most. But I know that there are exporters party to that uh, class action as well. 
but I think it would be fair to say as a collective, uh, the industry is just looking at it and shaking its head. Yeah, I, I think you're dead right. Hey, mate, great to chat. Thank you so much. We'll stay in contact, obviously, as this continues to escalate this issue. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> there is a lot going on, uh, a lot going on as we have spoken uh, many times before. Um, this industry is so misunderstood, and the reform that you've implemented, along with others in that industry, is second to none. And it is a backbone and it underpins the agricultural industry. And that's what people forget: the the importance of the live export in putting a base into the agricultural sector is so imperative. And uh, for some unknown reason, this in, this government does not fully understand that. We'll take a break. I appreciate your time, mate. Catch up shortly again. No, good on you, Ben. Thanks for having me. Mark Harvey Sutton. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today on Wednesday morning, the 7th of February. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. Obviously, we spoke to Mark Harvey Sutton a little earlier about this fiasco with the federal government and this live export uh, situation going on. I do want to go back and talk about, um, obviously, the Foley Shield and what Murray Watt is doing to the sheep industry in Western Australia, but it's now been reported from this tragic set of circumstances where an Ipswich grandmother was stabbed and murdered in a car park over a car that the 16-year-old boy accused of the stabbing murder was on bail for multiple armed robbery offences at the time. Now... If you've listened to Robbie Catter for the last seven years, he's been talking about tougher sentencing. He's been talking about all this stuff. Stephen Miles has come out and he's trying to clamour. Well, rightly so. The Labor Party have been an embarrassment in this state. Bob Catter joins me this morning and I haven't heard a lot of comment at this stage about how angry he is, but I could only imagine. Bob, good morning. I mean, a senseless, senseless murder... And now we're finding out that the team, surprise, surprise, was already out on bail. Yeah, <clears throat> the aspect that caught me is we are bringing in the government's lawing, as usual, both sides of the house, actually. But they say, oh, no, there's only 200,000 migrants coming to Australia each year. Well, well that's not right. <clears throat> the people are coming on student visas, most of them stay on permanently. They never go on. <clears throat> I won't go into that. There's <clears throat> so 500,000 people coming in. But, you know, I mean, when the colonial powers withdrew from Africa, tribalism reimposed itself. And the level of violence has been such that 23 million people have died there in the violence. Now, you know, if you're bringing people in from a violent country, please don't blame me when they turn out to be violent. I mean, what do you expect? Now, you know, surely you can look at countries with democracy, rule of law, Christian principles, um, love your neighbour, you know, make the world a better place, um, industrial awards, egalitarian traditions. Well, where are you going to find them? Well, pretty easy. Sex in India. Classic example. The religion's almost identical to Christianity, or well, humility and make the world a better place, all that sort of thing. Four points right on our doorstep. I mean, there you go. Right on your doorstep, you've got um, two that you can bring in in vast numbers. 
because they're very poor countries. Uh, but, you know, now that's one aspect of this. The second aspect is that, that a magistrate or a judge let them out on bail. Violent criminals with a record of violence already established. Yep. And he lets them out. That's exactly well, right. You know, on multiple I offenses, hope, multiple times. I, I hope when he goes to bed at night, he takes into account and praise God to forgive him for what he's done because um, he is a malodorous smell uh, uh, on the face of Queensland, whoever he is. Um, you know, it just appalls. Now, in fairness to him, I've got to be fair, so there's nowhere to put them. The jails are full, completely full. Everything's full. Now, you know, at long, in North Queensland now, the, the message is loud and clear. The Cairns mayor came out this week yep. saying, I back strongly the KAP relocation to the bush uh, idea, strongly. So that's the Townsville mayor and the um, Cairns mayor both coming out saying, KP's relocation in the parliament, we've been unable to get anyone in the parliament to support us. But the people on the ground, they're supporting us. Yeah, that's um, the big they're thing. They're supporting us. That's the big thing. There has to have something happen, Bob. It has to change. You can't have kids, juveniles, 16-year-old. I just hope he gets tried like an adult. I really hope that this 16-year-old gets tried like an adult and not like a juvenile because we don't want to see these kind of kids back out on the streets and we don't want people to feel yeah. unsafe yeah. wherever you are in Queensland. Yeah, that violent crime, no, they're going to be put in a jail. That, you know, that's not relocation since we wouldn't send those sort of people out to, uh, you know, when I say the bush, it will be 150 kilometres to the nearest town and it will be 1,000 kilometres from Cairns or, you know, yeah. Roma or, you yeah. know, uh, not to have problems in Roma, but Townsville or Cairns, uh, Mariba, Mount Isa, where they're really bad problems. No, 1,000 kilometres away. If you want to run away, well, you can run away. Uh, there's still some cattlemen left up there, a few of them. They might have you for dinner, but then they get a crocodile might have you for dinner. <laughs> if you want to run away, I don't, I don't believe we should chase them down. You want to run away, run away. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, um, and it, the cost, I mean, you put them in jail, they cost us about $490,000 a year if you put them in jail. Stop it. So why should the taxpayer, you know, like, I said 420, and the person said, which hell did you get that figure from? He said, well, this is a big study, that was 598,000. Well, you know, whether it's 598,000 or it's 400,000, what they going to cost us 400,000? Anyway, you got the point, Dolo. And, um, but the message is not going through to the parliaments uh, of Australia. It really isn't. It really isn't. Hey, Bob, can I ask you about the Foley Shield? Is that your greatest sporting achievement? Um, yeah, look, um, I had three um, ambitions in life. was take our family business, extend them Jury Creek, Mount Isle, uh, to become Mayor of Cloncurry. Um, but most of all, to play rugby league for North Queensland. That was my dream in life, and I was only, I wasn't, 
I had not had my 18th birthday, and I was picked in the possibles, probables for North Queensland. Not quite as good as it sounds, but it was bloody good. Yeah. And uh, anyway, uh, my father put grandfather's funeral on the same day. Well, a typical insensitivity. <laughs> characteristic of my father, much so I loved him. Um, and uh, so I oh, well, next year I'll be right, you know, I'll be bigger and stronger and um, more mature in my football, and uh, I'll be right for next year. Well, next year we're all with Indonesia. So I was wearing a uniform instead of football jersey. But um, my uh, uncle was killed in rugby league, in a rugby league game, Uncle Norman. My other uncle lived for rugby league, I'd say put 40, 50 hours a week in a rugby league, he lived for rugby league. And um, I thought he was mad, but then I ended up in the same way. I, um, to give boys an opportunity that I um, never had, uh, we got rugby league going in all of the Midwest towns. Yep. And then um, the two golf towns joined in, Dormagy and Normanton, so we had six teams playing in the league. And... Um, um, it was a very strong league. We produced, I think, four Australian players out of our hometown families at the time and um, and directly into the North Queensland side. About 20 or 30 boys made it into the North Queensland side because we got a combined Midwest team uh, into the Foley Shield. Now, that brings me to the issue of the Foley Shield, right? Um, it was a way of life. It was a tribal happening. And, um, well... Cowboys came along, <clears throat> and to some degree, um, regrettably, it's buggered. But we still have a competition, and it's a very strong competition. And, you know, the local leagues, yeah, they're still pretty strong. Now, the Midwest towns have got so small that we can't sustain football teams there. Um, and uh, the two golf teams where the Midwest, it just hasn't worked. Um, so, you know, regrettably, our loss of population, which no government is addressing, continuous drain of population from inland Australia, which the government is not addressing. And even very few commentators, you'd be one of the rare commentators that acknowledge our existence. <laughs> not that we're there. Uh, yeah. Anyway, forget about that. Go back to rugby league. But I mean, what a petty thing. The head of the rugby league for Australia is running around in Los Angeles. Now, you know, we need rugby league to get back into the schools. And, you know, teachers, well, there's no male teachers anymore. So that's been a big problem. Um, there's still policemen. They, a lot of them come forward and run the rugby league. God bless them. And, um, but, you know, we have to pay some people to get rugby league back into the schools because it's so important in the development of a boy. I just believe profoundly um, it directs his aggression. It develops his aggression, which is a good thing in my opinion, but it, it directs it, you know, in a, useful, uh, in a useful way. He gets used to working with other people um, and he makes mates. That'll be his mates till the day that he dies. Yeah, I agree. When Alan, when Alan Ether, our coach, died a few years ago, uh, five or six years ago, Cloncurry Tigers, from 1964, I think it was 1963, before your father was born, Dobbo, <laughs> yeah, 1963. The entire team was there. Five of us had died, and the other eight of us were all 
there um, standing by the gravesite. That's mm-hmm. how strong that mateship is in wow. rugby league. Wow. You know, like, you know, 60, 70 years later, we're all standing at the gravesite, all close mates, you know. Will you get involved yeah. and talk to Peter Volandis about what the lack of funding's going on to the QRL? Is that something that you're going to be willing to take well, on the fight? I mean, I've been pretty hostile with him wasting all that money on. He's gone on a whole lot of wokey courses. Hey, listen, mate, the people that go to rugby league on the weekend are not wokies, right? They're not wokies, right? So you wake up to yourself. Um, um, so I don't get on real well with him. But um, we will contact other people on the league. I couldn't speak more highly of um, Ben Iken. He's done an unbelievable Queensland. job. He's done an unbelievable yeah, job. Yeah, and I think that time has come for him to step up to the main job. Um, and um, But Ben's one of us. This bloke's not. Um so I'll speak to Ben about it and ask him who I should speak to down south. And some of the clubs I get on extremely well with, Parramatta often ask me the game, you know, uh, um, Ricky uh, Stewart here in Canberra, you know, invite yeah. me to game. Um, right, Dolo, God bless all your listeners. Good on you, Bob. And, um, appreciate your time. Thank you for your input this deep, morning on Rural. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, deeply appreciate what you do for us. Deeply appreciate it. Thank you, mate. We'll take a break, come back with more. Cyril Close joining me on this Wednesday morning, the 7th of February, from Top X Roma, Top X Australia, uh, our regular on this show. Morning, Cyril. How are you, my friend? Yeah, good. Thanks, Dolo. Very good. Um, bit of rain around in the Marinara over the last 24 hours, which is a great story. Yeah, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it was hot enough to do something yesterday, I suppose, and steamy enough, mate. And, um, yeah, we went through the night, this rain. Probably started about four or five o'clock yesterday afternoon north of town and um, through the night, uh, just storms mainly sort of to the east and then uh, on the road this morning, well, yeah, anywhere from 10 mil to 150 mil. Um, I, I do believe the Taroom Road's cut at the moment because I was just talking to some truckies that can't get across that way, um, which doesn't surprise me. The highway was cut up at Kiamamara and we live, we've been over the highway there, but it's down now. There was 50 mil there in a storm early this morning. Um, so, yeah, some random stuff. And in, but in Roma Town itself, there's uh, hardly any to measure, mate. It's funny how that happens, isn't it? It's um, it, it, it really is It is a difficult thing to predict. Good storm rain. Country must be looking a treat, mate. And uh, off the back of yesterday, how many head in Roma yesterday for your weekly store sale? Yeah, just shy of eight this week. So a bit of a backup backlog from last week when it was a wet wet so uh yeah nice to see a good number of cattle and um good quality yarding and uh, market held its own and, and probably improved in a few spots mate can i um ask you let's start with that that feeder job we'll, we'll begin there with the steers and work backwards from the feeder steer 380 to 480 that job has been pretty strong over the last couple of weeks despite the fact that we really don't know what we're looking at down the track but how was that competition yesterday very stout, very stout deer. Um, feeders, 460 kilos steers, uh, 405 to 408. Uh, yeah, very solid competition on them um, and a good representation through the day of those class of cattle. Yeah, um, th- there is a lot lot going on. That mid-range feeder, trade sort of feeder, um, hotly contested for the Coles contracts and Woolies. Was there a lot of competition there yesterday? 
Yeah, there was in the suitable times for sure. Um, yeah, early four dollar bracket again, mate, pretty consistently like it sort of uh, held its ground and and didn't get a lot um, there, but was just consistently over that four dollars and up to twenty and thirty. Yeah, awesome. Young wieners, um, they're early wieners, um, and they're few and far between at the moment. You will see a run of them starting to come in the next couple of months, which will have some weight on them. How was that job? Yes, doubt, doubt. So the little two hundred kilo end ones, <coughs> excuse me, the two hundred kilo end ones, they were sort of well over five dollars, mate, like five dollars twenty and thirty, and wow. um, and then as they got heavier, well then they were back into the late four four dollar bracket again, um, and and some very good quality cattle there through those categories as well. Yeah, that's yeah, getting back up to that $2,000 a wiener again, which is very, very good money, like very good money. I understand that, you know, not everybody, you know, at different times, you know, is going to get that. But, you know, anywhere between 1700 and 2000 and something for a wiener, you know, you're doing pretty well. Heifer-wise, mate, how was that job? Yeah, stout again. Uh, no, no real change in it. It was, um, it was probably a little bit of softer in in just different categories, but only by only by a handful of cents. Uh, so very consistently anywhere from two eighty or ninety. But seriously, most of the heifers are over the three dollar mark and out to three forty or fifty, and and then some little light blow away heifers that uh, we sold at the end towards the end of the day made out to four dollars fifty. Yeah, and it's a huge result for them, isn't it? Like, I mean. When you when when you're getting your heifers back up over that twelve fourteen hundred bucks, Cyril, like you're happy with that? The people are happy with that at the moment. Oh, of course, everyone's happy at the minute, mate. Like coming where from where we've come from, and um, to have some grass in the paddocks and have some options for people, uh, it's just you know very yeah, it's just so pleasing to see. And 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 you know, let's hope there's money there for the trading blokes and. And we don't boast the bubble again, mate, but uh, at the minute, there's some really good returns coming on. And cattle are putting on weight very quickly. Uh, there's going to be a lot of heavy cattle around in a short period of time. Um, so, yeah. And then and the meat job. The meat job was probably the softest part of the day. The bullocks held their own. A few bullocks that were there on previous last week's rates, but cows were back about 10. Uh, still got out to two, 270 for the best cows, or just shy of 270. Um, but consistently two. 255 to 65, mate, um, all day, and lots of good cows. Yeah, that's disappointing, but there would be a supply coming, and, you know, it's just trying to get them back in the swing and getting access, and, and also we know just what happens going forward. Cyril Close, really appreciate your chat. Thank you so much. Here's hoping the rain continues. You'll be looking a picture in the Marinara, and you've got a big weekend out there with the Santos Rugby Festival, the Reds and the Waratahs out there this weekend. Um, there's a lot happening with the... I think the Sevens, Roma Sevens is on, mate. It, it's all happening in the Maranoa this weekend. Yeah, it's a great weekend. Uh, brings a lot of people to town, mate, and uh, throws a bit of money back around the economy from further afield. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good fun few days. Yeah, good on you, mate. Chat again soon. Thanks so much. Yep, pleasure. See good you, on mate. you. Cyril Close, Top X Roma. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland today. It is Wednesday morning, the 7th of February, across the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin on Rural Queensland today. That's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, a big show for you. And uh, wasn't Bob Catterstrong? Uh, I'll also... Would really like to say thank you to Mark Harvey Sutton for what he's doing. Uh, we're going to try and get David Conley on tomorrow um, because this is getting beyond a joke and why their payments haven't been made is just 
Absolutely ridiculous. Stay safe on the roads. Bill McDonald joins you next. And remember, if the wheat is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We'll be back again tomorrow morning from 9am on Rural Queensland Today. See you later.